Hey, it's Irving, and you are listening to Asians in Space. I would like to begin by acknowledging that I'm fortunate enough to write, record, and produce this podcast on the unceded territory of the Coast Salish peoples. I'm joined in conversation this week in the isolation station by the Rested Revolution's own, Flory Wong. We recorded this episode just as the peaceful Black Lives Matter protests began around the world. We discussed the movement that is the Rested Revolution and why rest and resilience go hand in hand. Joining me this week in my isolation station, <laughs> through the wonders of the internet, uh, we have another dear friend of mine, uh, Rested Revolution, no, the Rested Revolutionary herself. The rest. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, you have, you have the domain name, so you're the Rested Revolutionary. <laughs> that seems... Too kind, but maybe a rested revolutionary. Part of the movement, no, I guess. Leading, leading. I'm leading. Okay. I'll own that I'm leading. Okay. It. Yeah. One of the leaders of the rest revolution. <laughs> sure. Uh, Flory Wong. Hello. Thanks Hi. for having me, friend. Yes, thank you for agreeing to spend your Friday afternoon talking to me. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, first things first, just want to shout you out for having, for you hosting your first uh, virtual rest retreat. Thank you. As well as raising close to a stack for charity. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Yeah. We are donating to Vancouver's downtown east side COVID-19 emergency fund. So shout out to good people doing good things. Mm-hmm. The whole community to thank. And a reminder, this would be, this if this goes as schedule, if my publishing schedule goes according to plan, the previous episode before this one, my takeaway message would have been, that a reminder that good isn't something you are, it's something you do. <laughs> mm-hmm. And before we get into the rest of the revolution and all of that, um, how has this week been post-retreat for you since it was a full day <laughs> of that? Yes. Yeah, so... It's felt, honestly, how I described how I felt in my body post-virtual retreat, just because Zoom fatigue is real and I'm not an extrovert, I was a content, grateful puddle. I kind of just like dissolved and (laughs) had to just be a puddle of many things, Um, but there was a lot of like lying down Mm -hmm. and my own time to decompress and slow down and just not engage um, to sort of recharge. And, you know, after kind of the logistical wrap up things. As you um, do after an event. (laughs) As I do after an event. I mean, that's the producer life too, right? When you're hosting and producing, um, that's to be expected. 
Um, I did not choose to schedule it into, I guess, pre ending. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, but this week has just been kind of balancing out all of that energy that had been focused there. So lots of movement, lots of um, just tending to my tired body and brain through my nervous system. So a lot of meditation, both like, you know, virtually in community, but also with myself and um, a certain degree too of just, you know, lying on the couch and aimlessly reading, reading for however long I could until I felt like napping. (laughs) Yeah. So one of the things about the rested revolution, um, what would, what would you describe it as a project, a practice, a one thing you do out of the many things you do? That last one is technically correct, but I would describe the Rested Revolution um, as a movement. Okay. I, and I say that only because it is very personal. However, I see a lot of power in people collectively um, choosing a new way of being where they are better rested. And one of the main themes that's present if you go to the blog and read the stuff um, is the idea of inaction versus doing nothing versus what is actually rest. Mm -hmm. And how ideas around our capitalist society very much determines what rest is or what Mm -hmm. form of rest is considered like quote unquote acceptable and correct. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah. I, yeah, I kind of, I feel like the easiest way for me to kind of sum it up is as someone who can appreciate the hustle and loves it, I also so strongly believe that we can hustle. Mm-hmm. And in, in whatever success, you know, means to us in our accomplishments, we can also do that without it being at the cost of our well-being, our values, our health. Um, and that's why I think of it, you know, as a way of being versus maybe something you, you know, add to a to-do list. Because you frame rest as something you need to practice and something that you need to be conscious of and allow yourself time to actually do instead of just being like, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm going to potato on a couch for like an entire weekend. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I see it really holistically as something that evolves with us, right? Mm -hmm. It can be very circumstantial. Um, and again, it comes back to being very personal. Um, and yeah, that's tied to kind of what you said about, um, 
you know, how we're really aware of what's acceptable or we, we can name restful activities, but again, I'm, I guess I'm kind of like, I'm going deeper, diving a little deeper. Yeah. Like um, your priority into, is yeah, present it's in the moment like, of like your rest and being mindful of what you need in that moment. And it's just not like, Oh, I'll sit down and be okay. <laughs> yeah. Like it's just, I think there's a lot of room for, um, it's a practice because yes, it's all ever evolving, but also because it's not, yeah, it's not meant to be perfect and it's never going to be, um, you know, yeah. the fullest dose. But again, it's just a quality of life that you're, um, I guess, choosing for yourself, if that makes sense. Yeah, because choosing to rest and how we rest everyone has their own personal agency in that and you make it very clear that there's no one size fits all like cure or like magic wand to be like oh you're rested and healthy now and it's a process that every individual themselves needs to figure out what's best for them mm -hmm. and i think in that there's a lot of you know, joy to be found, a lot of meaning to be felt as well, because it is holistic. Um, and I say that because there are so many different types of rest that aren't associated with the activities of rest. Mm -hmm. And again, that kind of depth, I guess, is what I feel is the type of nourishing or slowing down or embodiment that people are actually craving yeah. so one of your blog posts um you list out the seven pathways to rest mm -hmm. and shout out to the number seven because it's the magically most powerful number um if you don't agree with me um every fantasy story in like the history of fantasy stories <laughs> seven is like important like the seven gods in game of thrones Seven Horcruxes in Harry Potter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just saying. <laughs> yeah. It and, symbolizes completion, right? Yeah. And the seven you have listed are mindfulness, breath, grounding, voo, visualization, movement, and just laying down. <laughs> mm hmm Yeah. And for the record, it is not an extensive list, like list. It is not the seven pathways of rest, but it's seven pathways you may take to rest. And, and some of them have overlapping, um, I guess, practices or like channels as far as, you know. Right, because mindfulness what, what is incorporated into the other six, like regardless of. <laughs> Yeah. And, and also like we're human in human bodies and we have systems that keep us alive for a reason and are biologically hardwired. To do so and that we don't even have to make conscious of anymore. Yes. Yeah. Uh, also note, like disclaimer, this list is not extensive and should be taken in your own personal discretion and full safety. And that 
when practicing these, you should be aware that there should be no sense of pain or threat to your being at any point. Mm -hmm. But what's funny about the idea of rest, or like mindfulness in general, to me, for people who haven't practiced it, I guess, is that it can be intimidating to be sitting with your thoughts and only your thoughts for like the first time. Yeah, I think it's worse than intimidating. It's so uncomfortable and like sometimes it's nasty and yeah, yeah it's hard. It's, it's not, it's certainly not easy. And then at the same time, you know, however we may get there, mm -hmm. it's so human for us to feel that way and to you know, want to be in that place of recognizing how foreign it might be. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I definitely always feel compelled to remind people that, you know, mindfulness is something that is innate in everyone. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it's not, you don't have to be special to be mindful and being mindful also does not look like um, being a modern yogi in North America, you know, with your pastel leggings and oh my goodness, meditation pillow. Um, yeah, there's nothing you need and, to buy to attain mindfulness. <laughs> yes, and, and there's nothing. Yeah, there's also nothing you have to. Yeah, there are no conditions for you to be mindful. It's simply just your um, your recognition, right? Your awareness um, that will bring you into that, and you know, not that there is anything um, bad about meditation pillows and pastel leggings. Whatever but, you need, you do. <laughs> but. Yeah, yeah. I, I just know that that does seem to be something that gets in the way, right? It's just kind of the um, oversaturated media representation of, I guess, wellness. <laughs> right it's, now it, it, it's like the self-consciousness of like yes idea of what mindfulness is and it's like yeah the worry of am i doing this correctly even though yeah that's an extremely personal it's the most personal thing really is mm -hmm. your own knowledge of self is yeah what that's like a component of mindfulness is right so yeah, and it might not look a specific way, if at all, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. But your ideas around, like, this practice and ideas of mindfulness just brought up how, I think I've told you this before, just ideas of what creativity is and what it isn't mm -hmm. in terms mm -hmm. of when people say, like, oh, I'm just not creative. It's like, no, everyone's creative. You just have to figure out what you're creative in. And then if you like that avenue of creativity, then it's like, guess what? 90% of creativity is work. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I guess it's easier to procrastinate doing the work by quote unquote, getting the optimal conditions for the work rather than trying it out first 
Yeah, I think about um, Caroline Meese's quote um, about that, actually. Um, I don't remember if it was in that, in the seven pathways, um, but the, without me butchering it on the spot right now. Um, it's okay. Everything's off the top of the head on this podcast. <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> um, yeah, but I like accuracy. That's all. Um, <laughs> however, the, however, the premise, the premise is though, yes, often, um, it is in our very human and spiritual nature to fear what may be demanded of us, even if it is, you know, for better or for your highest self or any, any other forms of words that you would like to, you know, kind of hold and conceptualize mm -hmm. that accountability of you really being responsible for you and really truly taking care. Right. Um, off that note, I feel like um, ideas around our current structure of, I guess, our Western world and West ideas around Western imperialism um, <laughs> is it's very much set in these oppositional bi binaries that don't leave a lot of room for nuance. And mm -hmm. you try and dispel this notion in one of your blog posts, how rest in the idea of resilience aren't oppositional, but rather they go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. And as we were talking before we started recording, I feel like given this last week, it's a very relevant reminder that yes, we can feel angry and actionable against all of the injustices in the world, but that doesn't mean that that fight overtakes the priority of taking care of oneself and all the injustices in the world don't wipe out all the little joys that you may encounter in your life during this time. And it also doesn't eradicate uh, the hope that people have in their hearts for a better world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that binary is a good place to start. Um, I'm optimistic in the possibility that in the West as we know it in modern day, there are opportunities and there are shifts in the way that people have the capacity to, um, I guess, hold and interact with duality mm -hmm. and just even, yeah, even I guess beyond duality, um, but just that it isn't, oh, I'm resilient because I like grit through this and I'm right. just gonna keep pushing and we get through it. Um, but also that when you look at rest, rest can become a paradox of 
work in the sense that it also takes your time and energy, right? To do, to make happen and to actually be and um, to schedule time for yourself engage with is necessary, but it's, it's also a time commitment. Yeah. And also, you know, to stop your trajectory of continuously doing and doing to get something or things or wherever, um, to simply be and receive suddenly becomes very radical in our, in our North American climate, yeah. right? Um, that historically has been almost, it's almost like you're warned that like that kind of inaction will reward you nothing but disappointment. <laughs> and, and there's a lot of shame, right? There's yeah. so much shame to the like, oh, you, you know, you didn't want to overexert yourself. Oh, then you must not be hustling all of a sudden, right? Like it, it's it becomes very conditional, or or or, and, or it's even framed in a more insidious way, of that like, oh, you're so lucky you can take time off, or right? That, oh, it be or it must be so nice to take a break, right? Which is ridiculous. Now that I'm saying this out loud, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Not that, like, I subscribe to that, like, I don't know, in my day-to-day -day life, but I definitely get, you, it's easy to fall into those trappings of, oh, am I doing enough? Or it's like, mm -hmm. I'm not doing anything, what's wrong with, like, as if there's something wrong with you if you're not? Mm hmm Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I... I think my exact words were, you know, to really look at the definition of resilience. Resilience is not how you survive. It's actually how you thrive in the face of change and crisis in challenge. Mm -hmm. And that is where the, I guess that, that, that's where rest actually sets you up for resilience. Um, also on a, neurophysiological level that's very true um but in short both are things that take practice and commitment where it requires a centering of yourself and and that that trust over time right yeah um and you're practicing not for perfection necessarily but to cultivate restfulness to cultivate your resilience. Um, I think when we look at whether they're historic public figures or just people we know in our own lives, the most resilient people are not the ones who just like, it, it, they may be painted to have put their head down and just gotten through something. Yeah. But, but really, that's not sustainable, right? Really, what took, what helped them, again, thrive in spite of the change or crisis or challenge was their ability to stay centered yeah. and soft enough in the right places and therefore actually strong in others. Yeah, it's like the idea of courage and that you only can be brave 
when you're afraid. Mm -hmm. Because at no other point would you need to be brave if you had nothing to be afraid afraid of. Mm -hmm. So it's like in order to find that strength in you, you need to be vulnerable too. Exactly. And like you said, like our bodies know. <laughs> yeah. Like I remember uh, um, it wasn't this past December, but this December before I got like rear-ended and my car was totaled. And a year later, around like the same time, like my back started hurting. <laughs> and I was talking to one of my best friends about it and she was just like, yo, your body knows when like it's held on to that trauma. Yep. And it's not holding on in spite, right? Yeah. But it's it's holding there's, on only because there's we weren't there able yeah, to yeah. fully process it. Yeah. Yeah, that definitely feels like a one of the large, I guess, foundations or pillars or whatever you want to really call it with the rest of the revolution for most of us to <clears throat> be aware or to be mindful. Um, it will be through the body. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, again, as people, <laughs> you know, with our brains um, and our souls, right? In our human bodies, like that is, and, yeah. and our hearts, yeah. And our embodied hearts. Um, it all happens in this really highly intelligent and yet also irrational. very, I wouldn't say irrational, very simply motivated. <laughs> That's probably a euphemism, but you know, it, it just, our bodies just want us to survive, right? It's sometimes um, like existential crisis, such as a pandemic or the oncoming global crisis is they're like, no one's responsible for fixing those things by themselves, nor is anyone unique, smart, or has enough resources by themselves to do so. So sometimes when like faced with such an existential threat, it's easier to focus on things that you can fix and that yeah. you can and what you can do on a single person basis. Because mm -hmm. I think, like, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say, and again, right, we live in a modern society that is very cerebral. Everything yeah. is almost, yeah, basically everything is, again, rewarded and, um, highly focused and prioritized for a lot of the cerebral. And again, I'm optimistic we're moving, you know, maybe we're, we're not moving away from, but we're also expanding into coming back to our bodies. There is so much more mainstream access to trauma-informed wellness, right? right? And there are more discussions as well about um, the systems that we operate in. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that I'd like to think that that awareness and higher consciousness, so to speak, is ever evolving, yeah. if not slowly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know we were talking about before we started recording, but just like 
the idea, like we were talking about, I don't know, I was talking sorry about the anime that I've been watching the last three weeks. And I started with Ava, and I guess spoilers if you haven't seen it, even though it's like, what, 24-year-old show now? Um, is the idea, the end goal of one of the scientists in the show is like the Human Instrumentality Project, which is ideas around people are afraid to get hurt, so they put up these shields around their hearts that they can project out whenever they feel frightened or whatever, but there are walls blocking um, true human connection between people. And the Human Instrumentality Project wants to tear all of these walls down. So everyone essentially turns into a puddle of the human unconsciousness and that evolves into what the true human heart is with humanity all connected. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm not saying I want that to happen because I don't want anyone. I don't want humanity to be eradicated for that to happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the point of Ava is the idea that we can do that ourselves. We can let the walls down ourselves. We don't need monsters attacking our world and forcing like apocalyptic scenarios in order for that to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And human nature has shown <laughs> historically so far that there's nothing like crisis to bring clarity. Um, and and again, that's, you know, that's where I guess the beauty of mindfulness can kind of come around full circle and it's it's less about waiting for crisis or reacting to crisis and more of that conscious embodiment, right? As we yeah. move through the world to just stay intentional to, um, yeah, to have the space and time to actually respond in ways that mm-hmm. are appropriate or less harmful. Again, not binary to perfect or ideal even, yeah. but yeah, just, just better. Right. Yeah. Um, Especially yeah. with like ideas, the heaviness with this week and just reminding myself that progress isn't linear and people arrive to the work at different stages and yeah. it's unfair to like throw on I don't know um, barriers of like holier than downness that nobody mm-hmm. can reach mm-hmm. and it's like if you're about it show up for however you can in the moment at whatever moment you're at it on like the line of progression and hopefully as you continue to grow into that your ideas around what you think is right and what you think is capable of yourself doing that will change as well and grow yeah same with healing healing is not linear yeah (laughs) (laughs) and i know like 
it sounds like we've been serious for, I don't know, the last half an hour talking, but you make it very clear that this process is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be creative. And that you have all the tools already yourself to build the foundation of what rest and mindfulness looks like to you in your life. Yeah. I mean, each one of us are like, we're the best person that knows us on this planet. So I think that's just such a, such an opportunity. And yeah, this, um, this intention to be radically rested, it's really about liberation. So that's why it is very much about that creativity and that joy. Um, and yeah, I think liberation is probably the word that I would use to describe it. That's a good word and a nice idea. And that's the point of, that's the goal of, I don't know, all of the work that we've been referencing. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Right. But I think you wrote something along the lines of this type of journey being particular to you is that the universe only created one of you and that it understands the value of quality over quantity when it comes to your own being. Yeah. And, and again, it's ultimately just up to you, right? Mm-hmm. You get to, you choose your own adventure. And I, I know that healed people heal people. And we continue to see that hurting people hurt people. As cliche as that might sound, as like, you know, childish as it may sound. I think there are moments where it is that simple. And, you know, even with, I guess, when we look at wellness for the global community or we look at wellness for our collective, um, this is just fresh on my mind because of this week and the conversations we've had and how it feels to witness, right, Mm -hmm. Um, what is happening. Yeah, it, it. that's a, that's one starting point. And I think that is comprehensible, right? Mm-hmm. For, for everyone. Yeah. So last question for you, um, before I let you go, uh, how are you resting currently? How am I resting? Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm resting, um, by really approaching my day-to-days intuitively Mm -hmm. so what was interesting is that I spent 10 years a little bit more actually over a decade of my life up to this point um, swimming in and out of freelance and corporate work and all the while in my personal time you know really fueled by my passions for various interests and just kind of constantly seeing like what I was trying to figure out what I couldn't do. So I was trying a lot and I in no way regret that. Um, But 
rest was that missing piece. And that's part of why I want to offer this um, so that I can maybe take away the edge of that learning curve for some people to not take a decade to realize um, that rest is so, so accessible and that it actually has way better impact than, um, you know, the veil of ambition. And again, that relentless pursuit. Um, and so all of that to say these days with um, really working intuitively, I've had the privilege to structure how I approach um, both my professional and my personal life with a lot of space. So again, for me, that's very subjective because I know that I need time to decompress and to process things and that I'm not my best when I'm overstimulated. And so that's what really facilitates that process um, and feels good, you know, and yeah. um, at the same time, that is something I'm actively paying attention to as the weeks go. And it's constantly being kind of adjusted almost like it's, it's constantly recalibrating. Um, and part of having structures and rituals like my daily meditation practices along with my sleep hygiene and making sure that I move enough because I love to sweat, like <laughs> all of those, um, that, that's where I see that like, you know, mind, body and energy kind of alignment. Yeah. That's what helps me feel like I am present, I am energized, and then I tackle, right? Like everything else, it's kind of like my, my, uh, my baseline. You gotta make sure you're yourself are okay first before. Yeah, really, yeah, really, just, <laughs> yeah, really prioritizing me and it's cheesy, but that's what allows me to show up fullest mm -hmm. for people and, projects that I care about the most. Um, and I see that rippling out, right? It's a lot less burnout. It's a lot less stress on my end. Um, it's a lot less anxiety, less irritability. And that opens up the gateway for me to be really creative, to like be really flexible. And that's where magic happens. Mm -hmm. So that's how I'm staying in tune. Okay, well, thank you for that. Um, do you have anything to plug? Ooh. Um, I mean, stay tuned. One yeah. thing I am that is coming up really soon, yeah. um, there will be more community events that I'm really excited to share with people. Um, because I think part of what is helpful is to explore new things, right? right. Um, it's kind of like, I've described it like stress management, mm -hmm. how you rest at different times of your life is yeah. just going to, just going to vary as, as you grow and as things happen. 
Um, but I am going to be opening up my doors for one-on-one intuitive coaching and guidance for people who are seeking either, you know, more support or actually want to just get, um, really clear Mm -hmm. in kind of like resetting how they rest. And so as a former personal trainer, I kind of, um, explain this offering as personalized programming, Mm -hmm. but instead of you getting really sweaty and sore, (laughs) you actually get really rest, like rested and restored. And we work with the regulation of your nervous system so that it literally feels good in your body for you. And then we also, um, have different tools and different practices that will be unique to you and your lifestyle, which will actually, yeah, really cultivate and support your life Mm -hmm. and your goals more than what the lack of being rested enough, you know, is kind of like holding you back from. Cool. So I'm excited for that. Yeah. Very last thing. Mm -hmm. Do you have a takeaway message you want to give to the people? A takeaway message. It can be anything. Yeah. It starts within. Mm -hmm. It starts within us together. It starts within myself, within you. Um, Yeah, I, I really think that that is the way into anything that we do in this world really (laughs) i'm like scanning my brain it's like that ocean wong quote he said that i like to go forward you have to go within first yes Yeah. yeah yeah and yeah and i believe like when it comes from that space again just really I guess allowing your humanity is one thing, but also really to step into your own knowledge and wisdom and like that real, you know, beauty for lack of a better word of like who you are is what's going to direct everything. Right. Right. So it all comes down to, yeah why shapes or why determines the how and that starting point yeah i think i believe is within all of us music is by francis abrevalo logo designed by gracie messina keep updated on instagram at agents in space listen and subscribe to agents in space on spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, and to see other platforms it is available on go to anchor fm slash agents in space longer takeaway message this week this paragraph comes from an essay by Hanif Abdurrahib called Surviving on Small Joys, from his book They Can't Kill Us Until They Kill Us. And in this essay, he talks about the importance of love and joy in times of resistance. Hanif writes, I want to be immensely clear about the fact that we need more than love and joy. Love and joy alone will not rid America of its multi-layered history of violence that has existed for longer than any of us have been alive. That violent culture 
no matter the amount of prayers and grief we throw at it, remains unshakable. It is rooted so firmly into the machinery of America that it has its hands around our decision-making processes, the language we use for endurance and survival. The violence is, in some ways, inescapable. It isn't always done with a gun, and is sometimes done with a pen. Joy alone will not grant anyone safety. It can, however, act as a small bit of fuel when the work of resistance becomes too much. My activism is at its best when it takes time to laugh over FaceTime with a beloved friend on the morning after people were murdered, because it allows me to briefly to imagine a world that, where that happiness can still freely and comfortably exist. Joy in these moments is the sweetest meal that we can keep chasing the perfect recipe for, among a world trying to gather all of the ingredients for itself. I need it to rest on my tongue, especially when I am angry, especially when I am afraid, especially when nothing makes sense other than the fact that joy has been, and always will be, the thing that first pulls me from underneath the covers when nothing else will. It is the only part of me that I have to keep accessible at all times, because I will never know what will come. The only thing promised in this world is that it will often times be something that makes living seem impossible. And I hope then that a child who blessedly knows less of the world's evils decides to laugh with his friends in a place that reaches your ears. I hope it carries you back to the fight as it has done for me. Joy, in this way, can be a weapon. That which carries us forward when we have been beaten back for days or months or years. My name is Irving Chong. This is Asians in Space. See you next week. Until then, we out.